0: Welcome to On The Move, IMUA's podcast series. On The Move features interviews with folks in the inland marine insurance community sharing their insights and experience. We touch on a range of topics, including career development, technical issues, and the all-important Work-Life Balancing Act. Hi, I'm Lillian Colson, and I'm here today with Jessica Frankovich for IMUA's first-ever podcast. Jessica Frankovich is Senior Vice President of Custom Property and Inland Marine at Seneca Insurance Company. And she's also the Deputy Chairperson of IMUA's Board of Directors, so she's sort of a a rock star here at IMUA, and we're happy to have her with us. Well, thanks, Lillian. Okay, we're just going to discuss a couple of different topics today uh, for our podcast, and the first one is about Inland Marine Insurance. Inland marine insurance is a somewhat ambiguous term, but yet it's quite expansive and covers a wide array of specialized property and offers underwriters a considerable amount of flexibility in how it's underwritten. That being said, careers in inland marine insurance are not high on most college students' career wish lists. In fact, I think it's safe to assume college students are not even aware of it as a career option. How did you first get involved in inland marine insurance as a career?
1: Yeah, I think like most of us, I kind of fell into it. I did an internship in college in Germany for an insurance company. I was kind of hoping it would be more of a marketing internship, but it was straight insurance. So I ended up adding risk management as a double major to round up my resume. And when I started in the industry, I was doing property insurance. I did that for about three years, and I was kind of seeing the same accounts over and over. And I thought, you know, this isn't quite for me. So I ended up getting into Inland. I had kind of an idea of what I was getting into, but was really surprised by all the different coverages. And there are a wide
0: array of coverages from fine art to medical equipment to contractors' equipment to builder's risk and motor truck cargo and on and on. What's the most surprising or unique coverage you've come across?
1: Yeah, I think when you do inland, you end up seeing some pretty crazy things. So um, probably a year or so ago, we had gotten a risk in. It was motor truck cargo and cadavers. And you have to learn all these things that it's actually illegal to put a value on a human body, which makes you wonder, well, why would they even want this coverage? And then we find out, well, they'd rolled a truck a few years ago and had a major cleanup on a freeway, and they needed the debris removal component. So not very sexy, but hey, it's what we do. Um, and even just last Friday, I was watching YouTube videos with one of my underwriters on hog manure lagoons, which is not really how I thought it's Friday morning. But we had a huge equipment schedule in, and we needed to figure out how these lagoons worked.
0: Definitely not sexy, but very surprising for sure. What would you
1: say to high school or college students who are
0: exploring various careers to encourage them to consider a career as an inland marine insurance professional?
1: So I think inland offers a lot of what's really enjoyable about underwriting. You're researching risks, you really understand the exposure, but then you don't have like that rigid box that some of the other lines have. Relationships in our industry are so important, but even more so with Inland and negotiating is key, especially in the more unusual risks. So there's definitely a huge fun side to it.
0: So it's fun and you can build important, long-lasting relationships while sharpening some key business skills, such as maybe negotiation. Absolutely. Uh, those aspects are definitely important to individuals just starting their careers. What do you think about creativity and flexibility? How do you feel those weigh in?
1: I mean, we obviously, we see a lot of vanilla risks, all of our competitors do, but it's when you get those really unique risks where you're really trying to get your hands around the exposure, understand it, research it, help value it. I mean, it's really important to be creative and flexible because it's inland in certain states, we're free of rate, we're free of form. And so a lot of times we're really able to put together a very unique product. Definitely not
0: a dull moment.
1: Then. No, Never.
0: The insurance industry was traditionally male-dominated, and that's changing. But even in supportive environments, there's a difference between hiring women and really positioning them for success. Can you talk about women in the insurance industry in general, as well as touching on your personal journey as a woman in the insurance industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think women have definitely made a lot of inroads in insurance. So even in the 16 years I've been in the industry, I've seen more women in elevated positions. There's also been such an awareness lately about women, and a lot of organizations are dedicated solely to women and insurance, and that's a huge positive. I mean, with all that being said, I'd love to see our industry get to a point where this is simply kind of the accepted norm, and that we don't need to call special attention to women's accomplishments because they're recognized for what they are, just true accomplishments. I also think it's really important for women to support other women. I'd read an article that discussed, you know, this was a few years ago, that there just weren't as many women in leadership positions because when men move up, they tend to move up other men with them, but then women generally don't do the same thing. If you're newer in your career, you know, try to ask a senior female to mentor you. Having a sounding block and an ally as you professionally grow is huge. And if you're asked to be a mentor, it's an enormous compliment. Somebody's seen something in you that they aspire to be, and you should really take that as a huge responsibility. I think it's these kinds of intangibles that'll move us forward. You bring up two
0: really great points. Uh, going back to what you said about women bringing up other people with them as they rise the ladder, I think women are often very focused on getting themselves in the door, and sometimes it's difficult to also think, think about of other people. Think of other, yeah. other women. No, so it's, it's good to have, you know, that in the back of your mind that that's how things really change. You also talked about mentoring women. Have you had an opportunity to mentor or be mentored?
1: Yeah, I've, I've been on both sides of that. I think both are incredibly rewarding. I actually almost find it more rewarding to be able to mentor somebody. I think it makes you more self-aware. The advice you give them is certainly advice you would do, but we don't always do what we say we should do in certain situations. So, you know, hearing yourself give other people advice is, I think, really crucial. So true.
0: What can the insurance industry do to better attract and retain a diverse array of talent?
1: Yeah, so I mean, back when I started, so many companies had these enormous training programs. They would spend like probably hundreds of thousands of dollars on them, and then that seemed to go away for a while. But lately, I have been seeing more and more companies bring back like really robust internship programs, and I think it's phenomenal. I also think the more industry can be on campuses, either just doing recruiting or hosting events, but really getting in front of the college students and showing them how fun insurance can be, the more talent will attract. You know, the challenge is insurance really is fun. It doesn't sound fun, but the only way really to showcase it is to let people experience it. So we really need to be out there interacting with the future talent.
0: And I was going to save this for the end of our discussion today, but since you've brought it up, fun is an important part of a person's career although often understated. What's the most fun part of being an underwriter?
1: I mean, for me, the most fun part about being an underwriter is winning because who doesn't love a binder? I mean, it's, it's great to be competitive. I think we're all really competitive. I like to tease my team. Usually if I think we're going to be short for the month, I start calling my underwriters. I call it dialing for dollars. They start calling their brokers. And it's kind of like this big collective team effort to keep the binders rolling on. I mean, If you don't like a binder, this might not be the right industry for you.
0: Definitely nothing like a little friendly (laughs) competition to ramp everything up. Exactly. Work-life balance is incredibly important. Given all the demands around us today, how do you navigate the balance between burnout and personal well-being, both physical and mental?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that can be tough. I mean, ultimately, everyone has their own balance and limits, and I just think it's important to understand your own. I mean, for example, some people can function fine on five hours of sleep, and others can't. So I really think it's important to, to take time for yourself, but then not feel guilty about it, right? There's always another email we could do, another quote we can do. But at some point, if you're just not in a good place, your work product isn't going to be as good. You know, depending on who you are, where you're at in your career, you might need time every day. You may want to do it once or twice a week. For me personally, I usually take an hour twice a week, but I will personally schedule my own personal time which I know seems kind of counterintuitive, but we schedule everything else in our lives. Everybody's so busy. So now I've got this time on my calendar for me that I can look forward to.
0: That's a great tip, Jessica. And I'm going to make a personal note to start doing that myself. What two pieces of advice would you give to those who are in the first 10
1: years of their careers? So, I mean, for me, the best advice I would give is, you know, work on your certifications and designations. There's more and more talent coming into the industry, and the more you can do to set yourself apart from those you're competing against or positions is critical. I don't necessarily believe that certifications or designations make you a better underwriter, but I do think they make you more well-rounded. They show that you're committed to your career. You're willing to invest the time to do it. And here's the thing. You could be the best candidate for the job, but if your resume can't get you in the door for an interview, that prospective employer is never going to see it. And the other thing is, you know, everybody else says it, but it's so true. Try not to burn any bridges. It is a small-knit community. The relationships we have are long, but people's memories last just as long. So
0: true, Jess. It's a very small community. Very
1: small. It's good and bad. Going
0: back to what you said about designations, you have a number of designations yourself, including the Chartered Property Casualty Underwriter. You also have an Associate in Marine Insurance Management, an Associate in Reinsurance, and the Associate in Risk Management designations, which are all offered by the institutes. Which designation did you pursue first,
1: and is there any particular reason why you chose it? Wow. I mean, looking back now, I feel like I'm kind of dating myself. But when I first started, I had started with the CPCU. I felt that's the big designation, and it's kind of the most prestigious. But when I was doing it, it was eight classes. And so I doubled it up with the ARM. I did it immediately when I got out of college. I figured I was still in study mode, so it's just easy to stay in study mode.
0: Okay. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Over the last several years, there have been many new entrants into the market, which produces more capital What are the most immediate effects of this that you've seen?
1: For many years, we were seeing inland marine startup after inland marine startup. And we're still seeing that, but really not at the pace, because I think the market's pretty saturated. I think a lot of my competitors also feel it's pretty saturated. We're starting to see the opposite. We have seen a few inland departments shutting down. Maybe we've actually reached our quota of competitors in the industry. And then we also saw overall pricing become extremely competitive, both because of the soft market, and then all the extra supply caused by the new startups. But now we're finally starting to see rates even out and even rise. So would you say the market is hardening or? Oh my God, I would love to say the market's hardening. If I can say that and it's a fact and we start that trend, that would be amazing. But, you know, I think it's, I wouldn't say the market's hardening. I think we're at least correcting. We may be starting on a hard market, but we're correcting. We'll see how the uh, hurricane and wildfire season goes.
0: What are the greatest challenges or opportunities that you anticipate for Inland Marine
1: underwriting companies in the next three to five years? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, I think the frame construction, all the mass timber, and especially the cross-laminated timber, it's either going to be an opportunity or a challenge for you depending on what company you work for. The IBC is going to be revised in 2021, and we anticipate the expanded building codes as they relate to the cross-laminated timber are going to allow large frame buildings up to 18 stories. So there is going to be a significant need for capacity in our market space, and I'm not quite sure who has that and who's gonna be willing to do that.
0: Uh, Mass timber and CLT have definitely been hot topics the past couple of years. There's the 12-story CLT building plan in Portland, Oregon, and a large mass timber office complex that's planned for the waterfront area in Newark, New Jersey. I think um, new new construction projects like these, along with the revised IBC that you referenced, will keep the excitement going for quite some time. Mm -hmm. In closing, what would be your idea of an interesting risk that you'd like to have as your dream submission?
1: I mean, like I said, we see a lot of crazy things. But for me, the risks that I honestly get really excited about are some of those landmark projects. A few years ago, I was writing a lot of rebuilds around World Trade Center. So when the project's on, and there's been no losses, because that's part of my dream, it's amazing to walk by these buildings and say, hey, I was on that project. I was on it from day one. I mean, that's such a cool feeling. You see it come through to fruition. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jessica. Thanks for having me, Lillian. Thanks for tuning in to On the Move, a podcast series presented by the Inland Marine Underwriters Association. To access additional podcasts, professional development opportunities, and our technical library, visit us at www.imua.org.